Our first song tonight will be number 27, To God Be the Glory. We'll sing all three verses, number 27. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God. The vilest offenders who truly obey that moment may enter the heavenly way. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Great things he hath taught us, great things he hath done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Our song before the opening prayer this evening will be number 48. Number 48, The Lord's My Shepherd. We'll sing the first, second, and last verses. Number 48. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet waters by. My soul he doth restore again, and me to walk doth make within the paths of righteousness, within the paths of righteousness. 
righteousness, e'en for his own name's sake. Goodness and mercy all my life shall surely follow me. And in God's house forevermore, and in God's house forevermore, my dwelling place shall be. Bow with me, please. Father, we come to you this evening and want to thank you for this time to be able to come again and study your word and sing praises and glory to you, Father. We pray that everything we do this evening will be in accordance with your will and everything we've done today will be in accordance with your will. Father, we still have many on our hearts and minds as we go into this new year that are still battling illnesses or recovery or many different physical things of this life, Father. We always pray that in all things, of course, your will be done, but we do. We'll always, so, always pray for him to come home to us. And Father, as we go into this new year, we pray that we will look more to you, that you will be our guide, no matter what this year brings to us, Father, that we will always look to you and always be the example we need to be to those around about us. That no matter what happens in 2023, the people here will be known as Christians and as your as your children. Father, we ask that you be with Tom as he presents the lesson tonight. That it will be something we can all take home and apply to our lives. Father, we just ask that you guard, guide, and direct us, and finally in heaven save us. And it's through your Son's name that we pray. Pray. Amen. At this time, would you please mark the invitation song, which will be number 554. Number 554. Our song before the lesson this evening will be number 50. Amazing Grace. We'll sing all four verses. Will you stand, please? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh. 
Thank you. Always enjoy that timeless song, Amazing Grace. What a beautiful testimony, especially in the light of who wrote it and, and uh, the story behind that song. I wanted to do another Let the Bible Speak tonight. So um, tonight basically is just a Sunday, Sunday night question and answer night, and I try to take questions and, and apply those to our life and make them very practical. One that I felt like was maybe needed and, and important, and, and on a lot of our hearts and minds is, is the state of the union, uh, the future, beginning of a new year, what will this year hold in, in, like in comparison to last year, and uh, what, what will we face? And so here's the question. With record inflation and the war in Ukraine, people embracing immoral lifestyles, which my mom and, I had a, mom and I had an interesting discussion on my way back from Tullahoma. Tullahoma's kind of a sleepy little town in south of Tennessee toward Chattanooga, but there was a very large article from an organization called PFLAG. If you're not familiar with PFLAG, you might want to research them, but they're advocacy group for the, the LGBTQ community, and they're more of the organizational militant position and organize things like marches and demonstrations and rights for that community. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that even a little town like Tullahoma is giving a pretty large space in the newspaper to print an article about that organization and how they're embracing it, supporting it, even in a little middle Tennessee town. And I thought, wow, you know, it's sort of disconcerting that we're moving in those directions directly in opposition to what God teaches as far as our moral life. We have people that are embracing those lifestyles. How does that impact us? What will the laws be passed, legislation regarding the freedom of our speech in Christ? So how can we not be anxious, not be anxious in, in those kinds of issues that we face in the future, which if you go back to... Um, the communion meditation we had earlier, I thought Avery did a good job at talking about uncertainty and issues and, and anxiety and what's going to happen. So I, I wanted to sort of answer that question generically and bring a lesson tonight, maybe to address all of our concerns, 
to reassure us in Christ that uh, there are biblical promises that help us not to be concerned, not to be anxious, to be maybe filled with more peace and calm and assurance. And um, so if you'll open your Bibles, I've got a passage from Philippians chapter 4, one familiar to all of us. And then I've asked several men to read for me tonight. I've got like eight different readers. So I think Adam's going to be one of our first readers. He'll be using a remote uh, wireless mic, and then he'll read and hand it to the next reader. So I'll, I'll let you know, Adam, who the next reader is and so forth. And you guys can hold up your hand if you're the next reader and pass the, the microphone. But let's turn to Philippians 4. I'm going to start uh, toward the end of verse 5. Uh, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then what's interesting is the consequence of this action, that is, turning things over to God through prayer and asking him and giving thanks, it says, the result, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so I, I find that interesting because we all want a sense of peace and, and stability. We want assurance. And so I think the very first thing we can do in defense of anxiety and the uncertainty of the future is just to always, as a congregation, pray. Lift up these requests as we have been doing. Lord, guide us. Help us. Give us wisdom. Help us to not be anxious because we want to turn these things over to an all-powerful God. And here are the things that we need at Stroudsville. Here are the things that perhaps we're struggling with and the spiritual war that's going on. These are the things that we sense in society uh, that we will be and are facing now as the battle ensues between the devil and God. Uh, Those agents of the devil um, are basically becoming more vocal. They're becoming more outspoken. And, uh, And, Lord, it seems like sometimes we're in the minority here. But yet we want to stand firm. And let me just say as a side note, I appreciate shepherds in the church. And I appreciate our elders here at Stroudsville that take a strong stance. Um, an elder without a backbone is a very dangerous elder. Let me just say that. All right. And I appreciate our shepherds taking stands and saying things that need to be said that may be hard and not always welcome in society. But Christians aren't asked to blend into the world. Christians are asked to follow God's word. Amen? And, and so, yeah, we're going to draw fire from society when we stand on the word, stand with the word. We can love the sinner and be gracious and kind, but the sinner will not always love us. And so let us be gracious, let us be kind toward those who are in opposition to God's word. My first scripture tonight is to remind us, and our first reader is going to be Adam, so Adam uh, will read in just a minute from Matthew 6, 25-29, but I ask the question, isn't God going to take care of us? Isn't that what he provides? I think about the song, do not be dismayed, whatever be tied, um, God will take care of you, and we sing the chorus, God will take care of you. So the answer is he, he will, and in that beautiful and famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, I'm um, will have Adam read verses 25 through 29, and just to remind us, don't worry, God has got this, and he can take care of the things that we see around us, so I'm going to ask Adam if he'll uh, read that for us. 
For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life, as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on. It is not, is, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And who are you, who of you, being, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that none, even Solomon in all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. Thank you, Adam. As a little boy, when I was in New Zealand, I think I couldn't have been more than 10 or 11 years old. Brad, the mic's coming to you now. I remember the, the church singing, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. And, and it just reminded me, God is going to take care of us. God will provide. He promises that. Seek ye first the kingdom. Put the kingdom first. Uh, make it a priority. And all the little details are going to work themselves out. God will provide. Now, it doesn't mean that things are going to be hunky-dory, that things are always going to be comfortable. Go back and look at any of the great leaders in the Bible. Think of the Apostle Paul. He suffered much. He was persecuted, hunted down. Um, There were attempts against his life. He was stoned and left for dead. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but God will comfort us when we're at our height of anxiety and when we're suffering and and worried and, and maybe not sleeping as well. I think if we could just learn to let go and just say, God, I'm going to do the best I can and turn these things over to you. Now, I'm switching gears, and so I ask in the next slide a question about predictions that that writers in the Bible make about last days. And I think it's a fair question for all of us as God's children to ask, are we in the last days? What do you think? I've heard people say, looking around, and seeing the immorality of our society and how uh, immoral sin is embraced, it's almost like, welcome Sodom and Gomorrah, here we are. You know, I, I, sometimes I feel like Lot when I look around in my own town, uh, and, and, it's, and it's accelerating. It's accelerating in its own momentum and, and its visibility. It's sort of the thing now to get on board with this woke idealism and morality. So is the unrest in the world, my question, an increasing hostility against Christians, an indication of the last days? What does the Bible say about that? What kind of predictors are given to us in the Word? And I've asked Brad if he would read Jude, verse 17, and then uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Both of these passages deal with what we can expect in the last days. In other words, when the church is in its maturity and, and there seems to be an increase in lawlessness. Um, these are the things that we probably should expect happen. Brad? Jude 1, verse 17. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in 2 Timothy verse three, or chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, 
unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of, God, of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Let me go ahead and have you read, go back to Jude, if you would, and uh, read 18 through 19. Verse 18. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk accordingly to their ungodly lust. Mm -hmm. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, devoid of the spirit. In the last time, uh, Jude says, that uh, there will be scoffers making fun of God's people and God himself. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of spirit. And so he says, basically, but reinforce yourselves, be holy people. I always thought Jude was an interesting chapter. If you have Jude open, go back to the beginning, um, verse 3. I just, I find Jude kind of an interesting distress flare or a warning bell or a light that's flashing. Look at Jude 3. Beloved, although I was eager, very eager to write to you about our common salvation, what does Jude say? I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For, verse 7, uh, for, um, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality, deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. If you read Jude carefully, what Jude is saying is these are our brethren members of the church who have gone rogue and are now teaching immoral practices in the church. People that are leading the elect astray. So whether we're there or not, I don't know, but what the Bible is saying is these times are coming. So church, wake up, be alert, be on guard, study the word, don't be lulled into a false sense of security and find yourself asleep because there will be among us those who are deceiving, right? And those who are being deceived. So just a wake-up call that we should not be alarmed when we start to see these kinds of false teachings uh, in the church. All right, now let's shift our gears to Hebrews 12, if you want to open your Bibles, verses 1 through 3. And uh, thanks, Clint. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 is a reminder that when we get discouraged, when we get frustrated, we have to go back and look at the perfect role model in our life. Who is that perfect role model? Jesus, right? Jesus was perfect in every way. Did Jesus have to confront evil? Did Jesus have evil people that hated him and plotted to kill him? And did he confront religious um, people who, who tried to betray him and make him stumble? Yes, he had to do all of those things. So let us, when we face opposition and we're facing anxiety and we sense evil is around us, uh, let's look to Jesus. And so that's what Hebrews 12, 1 and 3 tells us to do. I have Clint read that now. Therefore, we also... Since we are all surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which also easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for 
who for the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Okay, unless you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Remember Jesus. All right, well, if you'll, I mean, um, Clint, if you'll give Will the mic, I'll actually hand it over. Okay, so in other words, Jesus experienced all of these things as he confronted evil. And as we confront evil, we'll go back and look at how Jesus responded. One of the things that I'm mindful of is Jesus constantly went to quiet places alone where he could spend time praying, meditating, speaking to the Father, and being strengthened by the Holy Spirit. I don't really see how that's changed today. You know, if we're so busy and rushing around in worldly activities and we don't stop and talk to the Father, if we don't allow the Spirit to, to, um, to influence us and give us peace, if we're just so busy that we don't stop, if we don't find places of solitude to meditate and, and study the Word of God and speak to the Father, we won't do well in, in keeping um, our defensive walls up and letting God's peace comfort us. So keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Best strategy is look at Jesus. Jesus was successful. Uh, Jesus obeyed the, the, the Father in every way, so we should do the same. Now, another strategy for us in, in these times of uncertainty, Avery, I think, based on what you said this morning, is uh, remember that regardless of what happens on this earth, we've never lost hope. You're like, well, what do you mean? What if you lose everything? Well, do you have more? Yes. What if your body is disabled, or what if your body's no longer able to um, do the things it once did? Does that mean it's all over? No. Why? Because you have another home, another body. You have the promise of God's presence in His Spirit. And so... Uh, we have promises that we can rely on that are beyond this world. They're otherworldly. And, and I think that's important that we dwell on and sing about and remind each other that we have this hope, which is an anchor for the soul. We have our eternal home. So to me, that's another great strategy is keep thinking about what God has promised and the fact that even when Jesus was crucified and the religious leaders, the Jews, thought that they were victorious over this dead Messiah, Jesus rose again, right? There was victory, and there will be victory for us. I look at these graves out on, in the cemetery, and I think, how many of them are my brothers and sisters? How many will be popping up out of that ground when the trumpet sounds? It's going to happen, and it's real. It will happen for me. So death is not the end. Death is only, church, the beginning. So First Peter 1, 3 through 6. Will? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, 
and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. All right. Thank you, Will. All right. Our next reading is going to be uh, Hebrews 1, 2, and 4. Go ahead. Okay. Hebrews 1, 2 through 4. God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So Jesus was perfect in every way in in confronting sin. And I think we have to remember that if we look to the perfect example, if we want our game plan and strategy on how to confront sin around us, study what Jesus did. And that's what Hebrews um, 1, 2 through 4 is telling us, is that he did everything successfully and pleased the Father, and the Father um, honored him, he exalted him, he was placed at the, at the right side of the throne. And so we too are promised that home if we continue to be faithful. Uh, the other thing about Hebrews 1, 2 through 4 is not only that he gives us the best way to confront sin, but he shows us how to rely on the Father. I, I love the high priestly prayer, which we studied a couple of Sundays ago in, in Sunday morning class, where Jesus is, is preaching or praying, rather, to the Father on behalf of those he has chosen. He will soon be gone, but leave them, and he's asking for God to bless these men, these apostles who are going to go out. And by the way, if you haven't really studied the demise of the apostles, they were all persecuted, and almost all of them ended up dying in some violent fashion. In other words, they had the faith to endure And uh, they relied on the Father for guidance and strength, just as Jesus did. And Jesus prayed for them. Jesus prays for all of those disciples out there that are obeying and sharing. Third, from Hebrews 1, 2 through 4, I wanted to share that Jesus shows us how to deal with persecution and suffering. It's not easy. It's not easy when you're righteous and you're suffering, but yet Jesus did it with grace. I think about um, when he was lashed. His back was laid open, sliced open. He was crucified. Um, He was betrayed. All of these things that happened to Jesus, yet he endured it for the sake of the cross and because he loves us. And I think if we can just keep looking to him, that perfect example, as Hebrews says, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, that we'll be better equipped when we face uncertainty and difficulties ourselves. Now, remember that suffering is something that all Christians will experience, all right? It's just, it's just part of our lot in following Jesus. And if you'll turn to 1 Peter 3, uh, we're going to be reading in just a moment, verses 13 through 17, and then we're going to look at 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2, and 12 through 14. So it looks like, um, let's see, we have, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Let's go ahead and read 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17. 
And it just, it reminds us that if we are suffering, if we're drawing fire for standing with Jesus, that's normal, and we will be blessed. We're promised a blessing in suffering. And who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. All right. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that we'll always suffer all of the time, but there's going to be times when we stand with Jesus. Uh, you know, Jesus warned us. He said, if the world hates me and you're my disciples, that means the world's going to hate you too. The world is opposed to the truth. It's just a fact. And so when we choose, when we pick up our cross and follow Jesus, it means that we're having to take on that burden of suffering, the burden of, of putting self to death, of putting God first, and the world hates that. It's just the nature of the world, the flesh. And here we are, people who are children of God. We are housing within us his spirit that quickens us. It gives us life. Um, and we look forward to the hope of our eternity and our salvation in his presence. And so we, we have to begin to say, and my mom made this statement just the other day. She said, you know, the older I get and the more I see what's happening around me, I long for my heavenly home. I thought, wow, that's interesting. Isn't that it? It's like I don't really see a lot here in the world that is holding my attention. I don't see a lot here in the world that I want to throw my arms around and embrace tightly. I'm, I'm letting go of these worldly things and longing to be with my Lord. And I thought, that's a pretty strong witness right there. And I appreciate that, that she's thinking about heaven. She's thinking about being with God. It's like, Lord, I, I appreciate what you've given me and the beauty and the creature comforts and, and the friends and family, but man, you know, I'm, I'm ready to be with you. I'm ready to go home. And should we not all really evolve that way as we mature in Christ and long to be with the Lord and really fall out of love with the world? All right, I think our next reading is 1 Peter 4, and that's going to be Noah. He's right over here. Thank you. Appreciate y'all sharing that mic. So 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2, which Noah will be reading in just a moment, is a reminder of suffering. And if we are disciples of Christ and Jesus suffered, then we'll suffer as well. It doesn't mean that we're mean-spirited. It doesn't mean that we're hateful toward people. It just means that we stand on the truth of God. And when we stand on the truth of God and we speak the truth in love, people are going to hate us because they are of the darkness. So let's hear uh, about Jesus' suffering in 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2, then uh, verses 12 and 14, and uh, we'll get Noah to read that for us. Noah? Verses 1 through 2. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered from the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. And then verses 12 through 14. 
Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Thank you, Noah. I appreciate that. And I think our last reader is going to be Bryson. I want to um, introduce just this idea of uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus is really beginning his ministry uh, when he does this when when he does this sermon on the mount, and then now in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he's he's inviting people to come. He's he's calling them, but I, I think this is interesting in in verse uh, twenty five. And I want to read that, and then I'll let Bryson read when we get down to verse 28. But I just find this so exciting that here is here's the creator of the world, right? Now on earth, in a physical body, telling us about the Father, telling us about the authority he's been giving, and, and that he's here to fulfill the will of the Father, to obey him perfectly. He's showing perfect submission. And so now, listen to what Jesus says, at beginning in Matthew eleven twenty five. At that time, Jesus declared, all right, here's Jesus speaking. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. So the first thing I want you to remember in context, you, if you're humble in spirit, can understand the deeper things of God. That is the benefit and the, and the privilege you have of God's Spirit being in you. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to have a Ph.D. to understand these things. God has revealed them to us, things that are hidden from the world, but yet we know and we understand. Yes, Father, verse 26, for such was your gracious will. It's been your intention all along, Father, to bless the poor and the humble in spirit, The church, those that submit their will to the Father, God gives discernment and understanding. Then he says in verse 27, speaking of himself, now as Messiah, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. What does that mean? That means God has given the Son all authority. And that we, being sons of Jesus Christ being adopted into the family of God, Jesus has this intimate knowledge of us. You see, here's what I envision. On that day when the trumpet sounds and we all are called up to the great throne, we'll say, Jesus, I've been so anxious to meet you. I've been longing and I know you, my son. I know you well. I'm intimately aware of everything that's going on. Father, this is, this is my, my child, my, my brother in Christ. And uh, I want to tell you about him. I want to tell you his name. But yet, many in that day, Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You see, Jesus has that authority to introduce us to the Father. And I want him to be my advocate, but first, I must be his. That's important. So don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed to share the name of Jesus Because he has all authority. And he says, no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. 
and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then Jesus gives this, this amazing invitation when he's talking about the relationship between the Son and the Father. And he's like, do you want to know about, more about the Father? Do you want to understand his power and his divine presence and his ability to give you peace? Then come to me and I'll show you. And I'll reveal the Father to you. And so I'm going to now ask Bryson in 28 to look at this beautiful, beautiful invitation from Jesus in Matthew 11. Bryson? I'll be reading... Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Okay, keep going. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you. I made reference to that passage this morning in the lesson, and I feel it's a great way to end our lesson tonight. If you're anxious, if you're worried, if you're uncertain, if your faith is wavering, if you're just maybe stressed over the uncertainty, just reread Matthew eleven twenty eight through the end of the chapter. Come to me, Jesus says. He invites us, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden light. Now, it's not easy to follow Jesus. There is a yoke, there is a burden that we must wear. But Jesus says it's not a difficult burden. It's one that you'll be blessed for bearing. And so I just want to encourage each of you as you put on that yoke for Jesus. And I appreciate our Sunday night crowd so much. I wish y'all could understand how much it means to, to me when you come back on Sunday night to hear the word. There's a lot who don't, but you do. Thank you for coming back on Sunday night. And I hope you've been encouraged and blessed by listening to these scriptures that just remind us that in uncertain times, we have a God who will always, always be there. We have a God who intimately knows us. He knows our thoughts even before we ask. And um, Jesus knows that we're doing the best we can to serve him and to be faithful. So in uncertain times, just rest assured, God knows and God will equip us and give us the strength we need to be faithful children. The invitation is yours tonight. If there's any way at all we can help you in your Christian walk, if you need prayers, encouragement, if you need to confess sin or, or pray that we help you with anxiety in the beginning of this year, we'll do that. Whatever that need may be, we'll ask you to come while Howard leads us in song. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would your evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, 
fire in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. If there are any here tonight who have not had an opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared in room one, and you can go there at this time. And yes, we want to thank all, all the men that, that uh, young men that read uh, tonight. We re- really appreciate that. That really helps have their participation. Uh, our closing song will be number 452. We'll sing the first and third verses. Number 452, Have Thine Own Way. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you once again for another day that we can come here and worship you and hear another lesson from your word. Please be with us uh, through this new year and all the many things in this world that can worry us and make us anxious and make make us think. And please uh, be with us to help us get through those things as we know that one day uh, we will have our reward with you and that's better than anything on this earth. Please be with us now as we depart and help us all get back safely Wednesday night. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.